0: We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCACHurch.com. And join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. The Dragon Dilemma. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. It reads this way, in the NIV. And we know. Say those three, three words with me. And we know. we got to know that, don't we? And we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined He also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. In the book of Acts, we have recordings of persecutions, of trials that were experienced by the first century church. Sometimes in our readings, they may seem far away from us in America. But with the events of last Sunday in Texas, it brings back to the forefront that evil has not just been in foreign countries anymore. Evil is now in America. The enemy is no longer over there. The enemy is here. There is a lot of evil in the world. This last week while we were on vacation, people asked us questions. The church today is asking a lot of questions about persecution, about trials. A lot of times in our lives, we think we're persecuted, but it's really pretty tame stuff. I mean, we invited somebody to church and they turned us down. Now I'm hurt, undefeated. I'll never invite anyone else again. We have liberal movies. The ACLU is constantly having cases about sliding for job promotions. In America, that's probably a lot of our persecutions. We may have sickness. We may lose a job. Our marriage may be in trouble. Open Door Ministries record these statistics. Every month, 322 Christians are killed. That's pretty serious persecution. More than two hundred churches or properties are destroyed. We're not talking about uh, abandoned or somebody put graffiti. We're talking about destroyed. More than seven hundred acts of violence a month are committed against believers. Violent acts. I have not experienced that in Palka City, but it is real. Persecution is real. Whether it's big or whether it's small, life does not always go smooth for Christians. i found a lot of people through the years, well, I got saved so everything should be perfect now, right? Well, you haven't been saved long enough. Because <laughs> if you've been saved long enough, you'll realize now that you're saved, you have a adversary who hates you more. You have an adversary. Who wants to steal. Kill. Destroy you. And your life. Life is not always smooth. We have what we call trials. So I want to talk to you about what a trial is. A trial sometimes when we use it in our Christian ease. It can be like "Well, that was a bummer. Well, that was a a difficult day. I just had a hardship. But we all need to be reminded that God is in control. He is on the throne. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Trials are there to test us. To bring us into a greater understanding and a greater image of God. Trials, sometimes we look at them as an act of trying, a testing, or putting to the proof. In a courtroom setting, someone is on trial, and the trial will prove what the truth is. Let's hope so. In athletics, you have a trial run to eliminate the athletes that are not quite ready to compete. If you're a, a chef or a cook, uh, you have recipes that you have trial runs with to see what works and what doesn't work. In the trying process, it is bringing someone or something to perfection. To be the best or to be the truth. So when we go through trials, it is a time for truer self, for a more perfect self to be revealed. And for God to make us more into his image. Trying. God is trying out. Trying and testing us to see what's going to work. What Are you ready for the competition? And in these trials, we, we feel a lot of pressure. We, we can experience a lot of pain. A lot of squeezing and cutting and pruning and tearing away. And it's, it's painful. It's not fun. We, we fall on our knees, we cry out to God, we weep, we cry, we use the word of God, we do everything because the process is trying. Imperfections of our sinful nature are being brought away from us and sometimes it can be embarrassing and sometimes it can be destructive in some people. But it's a time when our faith, our character is tested. Trials, tribulations. Hardships. C.S. Lewis wrote a book entitled The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And the first sentence of this book reads this way There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub. How many of you would like to have that name, right? (laughs) Eustace Clarence Scrub. And he almost deserved it. Isn't that a great line to start a book with? Wow. What a great line! So here's the thesis of this book. There was a young boy and he was a bad boy. He had a bad attitude. He did a lot of bad things. He got into a lot of trouble. He was very selfish. And he ended up being cursed and turned into a dragon. He was a dragon. He had been changed into this dragon because of all of his attitudes and actions. Now enters another person By the name of Aslan. Now Aslan is a magical lion that is thinly disguised. But he's really Jesus Christ. And so this lion, Aslan, begins to cut away the dragon's skin. And it's a painful, painful process. But only after Eustace has been broken down by this monstrous curse. Only after that is he able to be healed from being a dragon. He is then transformed into something that is radically different. The ugly scales are gone. They drop off and a totally different, beautiful person emerges. It was painful. It was ugly. But it resulted in a new image for Eustace. We have to understand that is the way it is with us. We are born under a curse. And sometimes we will do bad things, have bad attitudes. But Jesus Christ comes along. And he says, I see something beautiful there. It's going to be painful. I'm going to have to do a lot of violent work in your life. There's going to be a lot of cutting and a, and a lot of pulling and tearing. But I want you to be transformed into my image. I want you to look more like me. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you win the lottery. Consider it pure joy when that woman or man, they marry you. Now, Consider it pure joy when you have a baby. It says consider it pure joy when you face trials. What? Of many kinds. Because you know, remember we read in Romans chapter 8, and we know you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Not Lacking anything. The end goal is a transformed man or woman of God. Who is mature. Right? So when we go through trials as a mature man or woman of God. We consider it what? Pure joy. Because God is taking some more scales off. I'm going to be more beautiful after this. Less and less of the curse is going to remain in my life. Less and less of the brokenness is going to be in my life. And so I love trial. Thank God for testing my character. Thank you, Lord. I consider it pure joy because I know that this is proving something greater in me. Now, that's a mature outlook. A mature outlook. God allows these for the benefit to test our faith. His ultimate goal is to transform us into His likeness. First Peter chapter one verses six through seven. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to have suffered grief and all kinds of trials. Verse seven: These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith. I love that. How many of you know we need to be genuine? We don't need to have facade Christians. We don't need people running around, you know, little tutu Christians running around. Oh, that hey, listen, I'm not having just a bummer of a day. I'm not having just coffee spilled in my lap kind of day. I'm having a hardship. I'm having a trial. But because of my maturity, I know that God is going to work all this out. And it's going to bring good in my life. And I know that I'm going to have genuine faith. Not hyper faith that rises and falls with every emotion and every situation in life. But genuine faith of greater worth than gold. Which perishes even though refined by fire. May result in what? Praise, glory, honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed. So trials don't shut me up. Trials cause me to praise more. Trials and persecutions cause me to give God more glory. Why? God is perfecting me. I'm going through a trial. I'm going to be found that I'm ready for the competition. Last Sunday during a service in Texas, an evil man Everybody said everybody has good in them. No, they don't. The Bible says that we are born depraved. We are conceived in sin, and we are born in sin. And until you have Aslan, until you have Jesus Christ come into your life, we're not good. We have evil thoughts. We do evil deeds. This man's mind was depraved. He was evil. He came in. He didn't even come into church. He shot outside the church. Then he comes in and shoots little babies. And and don't tell me there's good in that. There's not. And people start questioning, Well, where was God? If He's an omnipotent God, an omniscient God, omnipresent God, then why doesn't He stop the evil? Why, Pastor? Simon Peter, when he penned these words, Christians were dying every day at the hands of the Roman Empire. I mean, this is serious persecution. They would go out, kill them, dip them in tar, Christians, impale them on poles, and light them so they could be have light to enjoy their parties. We're talking about persecution here. Trials. When we see Christians being beheaded, that's persecution. So today, I want to put God on trial. I want to put God on the witness stand. C.S. Lewis also penned these words. The ancient man approached God as the accused person approaches his judge. For the modern man, the roles are reversed. Man is the judge and God is the accused. Aren't we as a nation, as people, always accusing God? Well, where was God? Why didn't God show up? Doesn't he care? Doesn't he love me? What audacity. How foolish to accuse God. Or is God guilty? Here's the question. Why does an omnipotent God allow bad things to happen? Well, I've heard a lot of reasons through the years. I've heard a lot of pontifications on this subject. But according to the Bible, God is perfect. He is holy. He never makes a mistake. He is never surprised. He's everywhere, knows everything that's going to happen He exists outside of time. He knows our future and therefore could protect us from tragedy. Is this unreasonable? No. What we're really suggesting is we expect everything to be easy if a loving God is in charge. Right? Well, God will protect me and save me and help me in time of trouble. Never let any harm come to me. Well, is this what God does? Really? Well, we think so. But the answer is no. No. Look at John 13, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Jesus is talking to his disciples just prior to going to the cross. He said, I've told you all these things so that you'll have peace in me. In this world, you're going to have it easy. Just sit back, relax. I'm taking care of everything for you. No. No. In this world, you will have trouble. So as a Christian, guess what? You're guaranteed problems. Well, Pastor, I want good news. Hold on. You're guaranteed problems. If you want the enemy to leave you alone, get on his side. If you want the enemy to come after you, have a target on you and your family, get on God's side. Sandy and I have found that ever since we became Christians, ever since we've followed God and are calling to ministry, it has been one thing after another. Trials, tribulations, persecutions. We've had other couples that we've known through the years go, you guys have more things happen to you than anybody we've ever known. How do y'all handle this? Don't you get depressed that once you get through one hardship, there's just another one that hits you? And it's worse than the last hardship? No. I've got pure joy. (laughs) Because God is cutting some scales off of me. I'm becoming more like him. I've got greater praise now. The only way you're going to have a testimony is to have a test. I've got lots of testimonies. You have lots of testimonies. But we go through the trials. And then he said, take heart. In other words, be happy. Look up. Things are going to get better. I have overcome the world. You see, the end result is not whether we have an easy life or not. Because there are thousands and millions of men and women who have been persecuted to death for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the end result is, we are now going to be able to live in the presence of God forever glorified, justified, redeemed, called by God. There's nothing greater than that. Because at the end of this life, we will receive. Paul said, I cannot wait till the righteous judge, God himself, puts a crown upon my head. He spoke these words just prior to being led out of prison down the Appian Way, his head laid on the chopping block and cut off. He said, I am now ready to be poured out like an offering to my Father. That's genuine faith. He wasn't in there going, oh God, what am I going to do? They're going to kill me. Lord, where are you? No. He's mature and complete. I know I know. I know that God is able. I know. You see, we live in a broken world. The brokenness does not come from God. It came from our choice. God loves us so much, He gives us free will. And we make choices constantly. And in the Garden of Eden, a choice was made to go against the counsel of God. That sin separated us from God. That sin brought a curse upon this world. The animals are paying for it. All of the landscape is paying for it. And we as a people are paying for it. There's evil. We live in a broken world because of that sin, not because of God. See, people want to blame God. God, where are you? God's in love right here. But I love you enough to give you a free choice. I want my kids to love me, but I cannot force them to love me. I want my grandkids to love me. Right now, my granddaughter, I hope it's a phase. It's not. <laughs> right now... My granddaughter's going through a phase to where she loves her naughty more than she loves me. This will not last. will not last. But she has a free will. She can make decisions. As parents, we all have stoves in our house, right? What parent has not told their kid, don't touch that. Because we still have the ability to make choices and our choices brought evil into this world. And evil is obviously real. We did that. We don't have all the answers, but we live in a broken world. Man is born in a depraved state. And it's the ultimate show of love to give us a free will. God wants us to freely choose to love him to freely choose to give our life to him. He is Aslan, he wants to come along and slowly remove all of the old man that is there. I thought when I got saved, I would never have another problem. I got saved at the age of 11. How much dragon could I be? Oh, I was full dragon. I was full old dragon at 11. I could outcuss most any other people in school I laid up under the pews and shot spit wads at the old lady's legs underneath I was mean. I was a dragon. We had this one small church, man. Some guys got up on the roof, and as people come out of the church, we spit on them. I I was a dragon, man. Fight. At the age of 11, I got saved, and I thought, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. And God just said, no, no, you're just starting. And I don't know what process you're in of getting rid of that old dragon in your life. But it's a process. I'm redeemed, but I still need to be sanctified. I need to be cleaned up. I need to be separated from the world and separated unto God. And there's a separation in my life that needs to take place. And it's painful. It's painful. We have all these questions. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So he's doing pretty good on the weakness stand, don't you think? I can't even begin to question him because my thoughts cannot ascend to his. My wisdom cannot ascend to his. And so when God is causing things to work together for our good, in our own wisdom, and in our intellect, it doesn't look like. And it really doesn't feel like it. But he is. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So what does it mean that God allows pain and persecution and trials to come into our lives? It means that he cares for you. That he loves you. There were times we disciplined our children. We had to. Why? We love them. There were times we allowed them to experience pain on their own. My daughter was a very stubborn young lady. (laughs) We were trying to get her to learn how to ride a bicycle. She was very stubborn. After just a little while with the training wheels, she wanted them off. I don't need them, Daddy. Okay. So I put my hand on the seat and was going behind her. I don't need you, Daddy. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Okay. (laughs) Skin, elbows, skin, knees. Well, didn't you love her? Yes, I loved her. It was her choice. She said she didn't need me. I don't need a helmet. I don't need elbow pads. We didn't have those things growing up. That may explain a lot of things that happened to me. (laughs) But if you love your kids, don't you allow them to experience things and help them to understand that that this is not for your good. And God loves us enough to let us experience things in our life. And he's going, okay, you, you don't need me. Go ahead. I can do it by myself. God, I got this. I don't need to pray. I don't need you. And then we crashed and burned and then looked up at God, our Father, and go, why did you let this happen? Where were you? Didn't you know? Well, I knew you was going to wreck and cry. I knew that. But you, you, Mr. Eustace, Clarence Scrub, you've still got some issues. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is into Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Listen, even though we're forgiven and changed spiritually, we are babies. And we still have dirty, stinky diapers. And life is still a mess at times. And just like Eustace, we have emotional baggage, bad habits, selfish dispositions. We have a lot to learn about being Aslan. But God loves you and I too much to leave us the way we are. He loves us too much to have any any hint of a dragon on us anywhere. He's more concerned about your character than he is concerned about your comfort. He is testing you. He's putting you through the fire. He wants you to come out as pure gold. He wants us to grow up. So why does God allow bad things to happen? Then we've got the rest of it. To good people. To good people. Well, I need to ask the question, are we really good people? Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. Isaiah 64.6 All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind. Our sins sweep us away. You may go, well, compared to Hitler, I'm a good person. I'll give you that. Compared to that gentleman last Sunday who did all that evil, you're a good person. Okay. But how about compared to Christ? How about compared to Aslan? How about compared to what he wants us all to become? We all fall short. And we all find ourselves on our knees again at the cross. Saying, God forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Purify me from all my sins. And then when God begins to tear away, we need to consider it joy. Father, I ask you to cleanse me. To wash me purify me, to justify me, to glorify me. And this is the trial and this is the process. Yeah. We have to go through this. Today I have to ask you who is the ruler of this world? I'll tell you who it is. It's not God. Satan is the ruler of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. 2 Corinthians 4.4 The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Have you seen people whose minds were just blinded? They can't see truth. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God? There's a lot of people in this world who are just blinded. By the enemy. The God of this age has blinded them. People today who are killing other people are blinded. They've been deceived by the enemy who is evil. Ephesians 2.2 In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Satan is constantly at work in this world. He hates us. He hates churches. He hates God. He hates everything that has a hint of being holy. He is a thief. He's bent on destruction. He's bent on lies, twisting everything. And he wants to bring about death. So what do we do with all this? I want to tell you what we do. We know that we live in a broken world. We know that evil exists. And there's broken people who've been blinded and who are being ruled by Satan. And he hates us. And that is the reason why God invaded this world in the form of Jesus to once again restore relationships Between man and God. He said, I want there to be an opportunity for you to get rid of the dragon in your life. From the way you're looking, from the way you're acting, from the way you're talking, from everything that has the appearance and the lifestyle of the dragon, I want to tear it off of you, rip it off of you, cut it away from you, so that you are now exposed as a transformed man or woman of God in the image of Christ. And since I'm no longer a dragon, guess what? I don't talk like dragons talk. I don't act like a dragon acts. I don't walk around trying to kill everybody with words coming out of my mouth. Destroy you with the fire venom. I don't have the same appetites. I don't have the same desires to, to be a dragon. Because that was my past. I no longer want to shoot little old ladies with spit wads. I've been tempted. I no longer want to do the things of a dragon's lifestyle. I no longer have the dragon dilemma in my life because God is perfecting me. God is making me mature and complete. So when events like last Sunday happen, I see through it immediately. I don't look around and go, God, where were you? God, why did you allow this to happen? I look and I say, the enemy is a liar and the father of lies. He's destroyed another man. He's blinded into the truth. And that man in his vile evil has now destroyed the lives of good men and women in that church. It should make all of us rise up with even greater fervency to be angry at the enemy, not at God. But to say, God, you're a God who loves us and a God who cares. You've given us a free will. You've given us the ability to make choices. And every choice has consequences. I don't need you, Daddy. Okay, go. Mom, go get the alcohol. Go get the band-aids. We're going to need them in just a minute. She's going to be crying in just a minute. We're going to have to console her. Yeah. Why? Because sometimes we think we know more than God. And God says, my ways are higher than thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We have to understand and be mature. 2 Peter 3 verses 11 and 12 says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God, and speed is coming. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Listen, I've got real good news for you. This is not our home. Our Father who loves us, His Son who who shed his life's blood? The pen is dipped in that blood, and he took and he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life, and no man can take that out. Right now, he's preparing a place for all of us. The Bible tells me that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, an angel's going to shout, "Woo!" Yeah. Trumpets are going to sound, Woo! Yeah. and the Father's going to look at the son and say. Go get your bride. She's transformed. She's beautiful. She's without strong. or with Come on. We've got something prepared for us that our minds cannot see, our ears cannot hear, our eyes cannot begin to comprehend. And when we get there, we'll understand it then. But now we have to have faith, trust, hope, Peace, strength, be mature to answer those in the world whose eyes are still blinded. Because as a Christian at the workplace, you're going to be confronted. Oh, you went to church yesterday? Well, how was your God Sunday before last? Where was He? Why did He allow this to happen? What kind of a God is that? We have to say He's a God who loves us. And we have to be ready with this verse. Romans chapter 8. And we. What do you know today? Come on. Come on. Houston's Clarence, Scrubs. (laughs) Do you want to be. Contained in the curse. Be a monster. Or do you want to have. Aslan the lion coming. Roaring. Into your life. And to transform you from glory to glory to glory. You see, I'm not the final product, thank God. He's still working on me. But I have a lot less evidence of the dragon in my life than I used to. I'm sure there's some scales on the back that I can't quite reach and he's going to have to get them for me. I'm sure there's some things in my life that other people may look at and go, Oh, you're still having problems there. Hey, Hey, you know what? I'm better than I was. And God is still at work in my life, causing all things to work together. Read it with me. And we know that in all. of the dragon out of your life. I'm going to cause this trial to bring you about into a place of perfection. I'm going to cause you to be transformed. Son, when you get through this, you're going to look more like me. Thank you, Father. I count up your joy. I want to be like you. I want to look like you. I want to think like you. I want to live like you. I want to try. this morning, church. For those God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. No dragons in the mirror. That He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And look at this. And those He predestined, He called. You've been called by God, church. He calls you and then He justifies you. In the courtroom, you know what justification means? Just as if I've never seen it. Just as if I've never been a dragon. What? Yeah. In the courtroom, that's a word that, that's what that means. It's just as if I've never been a dragon, ever. And then he glorifies me. Which is presence on me. Wow. He loves you too much to leave you in the form of a dragon. He loves you too much to have a few scales in your life. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised. Why are we surprised? Don't be surprised at the fire ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. No, expect it. Rejoice in as much as you participate in sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Whew. Supernatural, overwhelming Joy at the revelation of how God is using these trials to transform you and me. Last week my heart was broken and all I wanted to do was to come home and hug every one of you. My pastor's heart got real big and real heavy. I said, God, I just want to go home and hug my church family. Because we don't know what kind of evil is going to happen in our lives this week. And used to we could think of certain places as being sacred and holy. And well, we're safe there. Those places are no longer there anymore in our life. But we don't shrink back. Read the book of Hebrews. Man, those Christians were walking down the street. Read the book. It says daily that we're having people throw stuff at them. Yelling and screaming and taunting at them. That hasn't happened to any of you here in Paca, has it? Where you just get out, walk down the street, go to Walmart. People are throwing stuff at you and mocking you and mocking your God. No. No, but in Hebrews it said, we do not shrink back even unto death but we stand up. We are strong because we know that God is performing something in our lives that's going to bring about a greater transformation. Stand with me this morning. So do you Believe that God has your interest at heart? Do you believe that God will use your trials to transform you into his image? So we've got to have a verdict if there's a trial, right? So is God the one who is at fault when evil happens in this world? And when evil happens in your life? And when you go through trials and persecutions and and troubles? It's not God's fault. I declare it not guilty. He's not guilty. Don't let anybody else tell you that God was the one who's guilty for evil. We have an adversary who is the devil. He is roaming around as a wounded lion because of the cross. How do you know when a wounded animal walks around, it's trying to destroy anything in its reach. And that is why we need to stay closer closer to God than ever before. We've got to understand at any moment individually we may have a revelation of the glory of God in our lives. People are crazy. And there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in this world. A lot of people A lot of blinded eyes. But we see clearly we see that God is on the throne and he is in control and that God loves us. And we pray, we ask God to protect us, but the greatest thing is that we make sure our heart is right with God. On our little trip, it seemed like we had how many encounters of crazy drivers? We went to go beside the semi-truck and we were swerving all over the interstate, Both lanes. And I'm thinking, okay, he must be sleeping. He must be tired. Finally, I get this straight away. He's on his lane. I try to put path, and he's on his cell phone. I wanted to just ring his neck. Dude, you're driving a semi-truck. we got people going through life so distracted by everything else. They don't even see the hazards coming out. Today, have your eyes wide open. The Bible tells us, be alert. Be on the watch. Be ready, because at whatever you think not the Son of Man is coming, are you ready, church? Are you ready to walk out of this building into a world to where an enemy is in charge? Because if you're not, you need to get ready right now. Right now. Message. join us anytime at PCACHurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.